0: If you would, grab your Bibles, and um, we're going to be in a lot of different passages today. The first passage, it's going to take us a while to get there, I'm going to tell you right now, Exodus chapter 20, it's the second book in the Bible, Genesis and Exodus, so near the beginning, but it's going to take a while to get there. I I would like to do this um, in helping, you know, the question has been asked multiple times, you know, hey, how do you become a member of True North? And I, I just want to let you know, this is sort of amazing. It's been 10 years last Sunday. 10 years ago last Sunday, we had a very first service at Sky Cinema. And uh, it's sort of exciting we didn't put this two and two together. I thought we were already at 10 years. I thought this was year 11, okay? But take it to a guy to miss anniversaries, okay? So as we pulled out a folder looking at an old church directory, pulled it out, and I was looking for a folder and, to use, and, oh, it's, it's an old directory. It says january of 2007 it all began at sky cinema i was like you know i was looking at a lot of the pictures of a lot of families and it's actually sort of humorous when you look back at old pictures right and i was just amazed that we are going to be having a new church home in a matter of weeks in 10 years it's been 10 years what a a great 10-year celebration that will be won't it that's we will definitely have a party it's no doubt about it. But Pastor uh, Dan Van Dock and I, we were having a cup of coffee six months prior to that time. So almost eleven years ago, we were um, sitting down and talking church, and you know, and you've heard the story, and some of you have. not You'll hear it um, some another time. But one of the things that we discussed was church membership. And if you know us, especially me, very simple, very direct. Hopefully. And and I said, listen, how do you determine if somebody wants to join the church and become a member? You know, some churches have membership classes, and they they have paperwork and different things like that. And you've probably seen it and been through it. And that's all good. Um, But we chose to do something different. We basically said, in, in keeping it simple but still meaningful, we said this. Membership just doesn't allow you to vote on the budget and financial issues and other voting things. It's like, well, you're a member, you can vote. Or you're a member, you can do this. Membership holds accountable church family to one another as well. And we do have membership. We call it a covenant because covenant's a biblical concept. Uh, It's a binding agreement in which covenant members had certain obligations to keep and were expected certain benefits in return. So what makes a covenant different from a simple business agreement is that a covenant is based on a meaningful relationship between two parties. So examples of the covenant, if you look back in biblical time, you see that God made a covenant with Noah and with with Abram and his descendants. And eventually the people of Mount Sinai and to the prophets of the Bible, the covenant was a marriage between Yahweh and his people. So you saw that throughout the Bible. We believe that as we commit our lives to God and one another in meaningful relationships, that's what it means to be the church, to make a covenant. So when you choose to become a member of True North, you're making basically an agreement in relationship to what we as a church believe and how we should live in relationship to one another, with God and one another. So our covenant membership card, which is on the back table, if you've never seen one, uh, those of you who've seen one, you've signed your name saying, I'm in agreement with this, and we have those at the church office, but this is what it says on the front side. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Those are the incredible life-changing words of Jesus Christ. God loves us, and He pursues us with a relentless love, offering us salvation through His only Son, Jesus Christ. Our response to His love and amazing grace is surrendering of our lives to Him. We humbly repent, and we begin a new life in Him. And in this new life in Jesus Christ, we respond to God's incredible grace By worshiping. We believe that we must worship God alone. We worship God through the giving of our time, our tithes, and our talents. We worship God as we serve the church and love others with the love of Christ. We also strive to build our relationship with God by connecting Him through prayer and reading His written word, the Bible. We also worship God as we love others with the love of Jesus Christ. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, we recognize that he came to seek and save the lost and to establish the church. Alongside other believers, we share our faith, we grow, we connect, we serve together as we share the love of Jesus Christ. Our initial and most important command is to love God. As a result of his divine and genuine love for God, through the power of God's Spirit, we are able to appropriately love others. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 39. That's one side of our covenant card. On the flip side of the covenant card, it says this. Having received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, understanding the mission of True North Church, I feel led to covenant with True North Church family. Enabled by God's Spirit, I commit to the following. I will worship God alone. I will worship God through the giving of my time and my tithes and my talents. I desire to grow in my relationship with God through prayer and reading the Bible. I will strive to connect with God. I will endeavor to grow in faith together, encouraging, holding one another accountable. I will serve the church and love others with the love of Jesus Christ. If you are in agreement with that, we would love for you to be part of this church family. And there's a line where you can sign and date it. If you're in agreement with all that, which I've just said, and I know it's hard sometimes to hear somebody talk about it's easier to read. I'm that kind of person, okay? Then you're saying, I want to be a part of this church. Because I truly love God, and I want, through His power, to love others. And I want to be held accountable, and I want to hold others accountable. I want to be a part of that kind of church family. That's what it means to be a member of True North. And we have that back there. But here's the thing. It doesn't stop there. I know sometimes we, we are very easy to say, oh, I'm a member of this or that, right? If like if you're a member of a workout place, you sign up for a membership and you start working out, but then you're just sort of like, uh, I didn't have time today. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us are members of various clubs and things, and eventually it sort of fades off. Do you guys remember RCA Columbia Records? you remember buy 11 cassette tapes and get the 12th, 13th, 14th free? Or Remember all those? Or maybe it was just buy one and get eight free. Can I tell you how many times I signed up to be a member of that? And then after I met my obligations, I just cut out, and I waited for another year to get another letter. And, oh, sure, why not? Load me up with some free cassette tapes. And these kids out here going, what's a cassette tape? It came after the a track Those are really ancient, Okay. What's an 8-track? Don't worry about it. Talk to Moses, he'll tell you. Anyway. (laughs) So, you understand that, you know, sometimes we get going into membership and it sort of fades. Well, here's the thing. We must know what we believe as a church with certainty. That question mark. Certainty. For it's our beliefs. Think about it. It's It's our beliefs that direct our behavior. What you believe will direct where you go. What you believe will direct what you do. Because you believe and say, well, I I really believe this cause, you're probably going to do something for that cause. Well, I really cheer for this team, you're probably going to dress up and wear their jersey and support it, right? Whatever you're a fan of, whatever you support, whatever you believe in, it follows suit with behavior. To say, I believe in God, means something. You can't say, I believe in God, And live in a godless way. It doesn't work. But yet there are many who are doing that today. People call themselves Christians. And yet their lifestyles and their behaviors are nothing Christ-like. And we wonder why. We need to be solid in knowing what we believe and why. It was so good, I believe we'll probably see this next week, a a video of Zach Robinson. He was home at college at Christmas time, and he shared with the youth group and did a fantastic job. And uh, we ended up, uh, Dave ended up recording him, and he's going to share his testimony next week, and you'll want to see this. But here's a young man who talks about what he believes and why, and how that impacts him. You know, there's a famous game show, some of you probably remember this, it really caught our attention, and we watched it all the time at our house really enjoyed this when I was a kid growing up and actually as an adult. But this beloved game show actually uh, has returned and it's still on today. Different hosts, different questions, and of course it's a little more risque in its content because that's what happens, right? you all remember Family Feud? Can I, can I you know, just for fun, have Five volunteers come up here just for fun. Just relive that game. With, can I get five volunteers? That's very daring right now. Any any um, adults want to risk their you know embarrassment? Come up, Mike. Thank you. Mike's always good. I would ex- I would expect that from the other Mike too. Good. Okay. You're pointing somebody out. All right. We have this turned on. So, let's see, we got four. I could use one more, and it doesn't have to be a guy. I said, it doesn't have to be a guy, and they called for Jules. I was like, what does that mean? You're calling out another guy. Okay. Julian, you got called out. So, all right. What family name is this, by the way? We'll, We'll stick with True North, is that okay? So you don't have to... get Okay, Okay. I'm not even going to pretend to be Richard Dawson or the latest of the hosts. but so this is what happens, okay? Simply, there's one person that comes from this family and there'd be another five in this family. They would come up to the buzzer, okay? And I'd ask one question. The first one hit the buzzer and have the top question, uh, the highest answer. Their side gets to go first in answering the questions. They get three strikes. And if they get three strikes before all the survey is finished... They go over to the other side. And I don't know why I'm talking into this, because I got this on. Here we go. I'll give you that. Put something in my hand. You never know what's going to happen. So anyway, so here's what's going to happen. So I'm going to give you the question, and we'll go down the line, give you a few seconds to answer. We've got three buzzers. No, we didn't. I, Dan didn't know anything about this, and Dave didn't know anything about this, so there's no sound effects, okay? So here's the, here's the question. Name a bad job for somebody who's accident-prone. Name a bad job for somebody who's accident-prone, okay? All right, we're going to start on this end. Oh, no, what, no, you can't do that, you know. Now, the other team can. No, no, yeah, no. You, we're, there are seven answers on the survey which you can't see, okay? So let's, uh, why don't you go ahead, Steve, what do you got here for us? Name a bad job for someone who's accident-prone. Skyscraper builder. Skyscraper builder. Survey says, now I'm going to be lenient with you, and that would fall under construction, which was the number two answer. So don't be looking. I'm not. I was going to say that. All right. Pass the mic down. Is that mic on? I think nope. it's still on. There you go. Okay. Mike. Name a bad job for someone who's accident-prone. I was, I was going to say roofer, but I guess that falls under construction yep. worker. Yep. Um, how about uh, equipment operator? The equipment operator. Survey says... Oh, I'm going to give this one to you, too. I'm really lenient here. A driver. A driver. Driver's Taxi the number driver. one answer, so I would, I would give that. Some of you are like, you're giving them a break. I know. Ryan, name a bad job for somebody who's accident prone. I'm going to go with nanny. <laughs> that's, that's a great answer, but eh, that's your first axe. I, I love that answer. I know, right? I, yeah. A farmer. A farmer. And X number two. No, again, no. That's a good answer. Those are those are really good answers. There's there's no bad answers. I'm gonna go with the first thing that came to my mind, and that is a septic tank cleaner. <laughs> 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 nice try. You got two out of seven. I could think, you know, with being accident prone, you could probably go with anything. and and come really close to getting that up there. Would you please give them a round of applause? All right. Just in case you're curious what the other five answers were, police officer, food service, glass maker, window washer, and surgeon, which I think surgeon should have been up at the top, really. But anyway, so that's sort of fun, wasn't it? But see, here's the thing. As you play that game, here's what's happening. You're being clued into what? What? Everybody's opinion, right? Because those were the top answers. The number one answer was a driver. I would have not. My opinion, I would have put surgeon up there. Your opinion might have been something else. They had a lot of great opinions up here. They got three X's on them. Unfortunately, their opinion didn't count. Right? So today, here's here's the issue that I have, the problem that I have, and that is this. In your opinion, what's God like? Isn't that really what happens in this world today? Spiritual matters which should not be opinionated but be biblical-founded are just thrown out there. What do you believe about God? Well, I think God is... Eh. Sorry, not on the survey. When it comes to spiritual uh, answers, let me ask you this. Where do you find them? If, If it comes up about God, do you know what you believe and why, which is why I brought up what Zach had shared at Youth Group and what he's going to share with you because here's the thing, if you don't know what you believe and you're thrown into a culture, an area where everybody believes anything, how are you going to stand? Will you stand firm? Or will you be tossed to and fro like a wave in the ocean? Do you know what you believe? And so I want to ask two simple questions this morning. Here's the first one. Who is God? If I were to ask you this question, I gave you a piece of paper and a pen, and I said, Who is God? Does He exist? How do you answer that? What do you write down on your paper? You're having a conversation at work with somebody, and something about God gets brought up. Well, we were watching the inauguration, and this Franklin Graham guy got up and talked about God. I think even President Trump mentioned God. What do you think about God? What do you say? What's your response? If you were at a basketball game the other night, great rivalry, you know, and people are getting fouled and pushed all over the place and it's standing room only. But when all is said and done, there's the players and the cheerleaders at midcourt praying. To who? God. Well, do you think that started a conversation anywhere in the gym? It's happening in all kinds of gymnasiums and fields and... Do you think somebody's going to say, "Well, what do you believe about God? How do you answer that? Either He exists or He does not." And here's the thing: if God does not exist, why are you here? I don't mean here in this church. I mean, how did you get here? If there is no God, how did you get here? How were you created? Do you have purpose or value? If God does exist, what is He like? Is he like the never-ending Bigfoot, Sasquatch Hunt, Loch Ness Monster, Aliens? We're going to see him somewhere, right? Let's just keep looking. I know he's out there somewhere, right? I would begin by saying that either you believe in God or you don't believe in God, right? Safe to say. And that if you do believe in God, either he's a big God with a capital G or a small God with a small g. What I mean by that is this. When you look in the Bible, our God, who is a personal God is given a capital G. Any other God outside the God of this Bible is a small letter G. People worship a lot of gods. Small letter G. Buddha, Muhammad. Whoever it may be that the God is that they worship. Those are small Gs. Big G. Capital G. That's the God of this universe. He's the God of the Bible. He's the God we worship. And the truth is, man worships all kinds of things. Either we worship God or we worship Things made by God or things made by man. Moses, he was the very first author of the Bible. You turn there, look at Exodus chapter 20. The very first author of the Bible wrote those first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in Exodus, he wrote this because God told him to write this. God gave the people all these instructions. And this is what Moses penned, that God said, I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Look what he says next. You must not have any other, small g, God, but me. God, capital G, our God, who spoke through Moses said, you must have no other gods, small g, but me. There's only one God. And man has done well in making up other gods to worship, haven't we? The Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 1, verse 23. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-loving God with a capital G, they worship man, worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Man has done this. Either we choose to worship the God of this universe, or we worship all these other things that become gods in our life. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he said this, no one can serve two masters. You're going to either hate one and love the other. But you cannot love both. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money, as he used as an example. There can only be one God. Otherwise, you'll never fully give true worship to one. You might have all these gods in your life that you follow and you worship, whether it's, whether it's power, whether it's money, whether it's physical lust, whether it's the things of this world, you can follow a lot of things, but you'll never truly love one if you're just all spread out. You can only love one. God says, I want to be that one. Paul, who's the author of most of the New Testament books, he said this in 1 Corinthians 8, verses 5 to 7. He said this, there may be so-called gods, small g, both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords, Listen and this, but for us, Look at the person next to you and say, but for us. But for us. Look at another person and say, but for us. But for us. Exactly, because see, at some point in time as Christians, everybody around you is doing something, but as a Christian, you've got to stand up and say, no, 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 no. But for us, meaning, I'm different than this. Christians, but for us, Paul says this, there's one God, the Father, by whom all things are created, for whom we live. And there's one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created, and through whom we live. However, not all believers know this. What? What was what, Paul saying? Wait, wait, did he just say that? Yes. As he was talking to the church in Corinth and to these people, he's saying, "Hey, there's one God. There's one Jesus." And then he stops and sort of pauses, and there he says, "But you know what? However, not all the believers believe this. Oh, that could be troublesome." He said this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that's been offered to an idol, they think it's worshipping the real God and their weak consciences are violated. Paul went on to say this in the book of Ephesians to those in Ephesus. He said, "Listen, there is one Lord. There is one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and living through all, one." Jesus had conversation with the religious leaders. Now, if you remember back at the beginning of the sermon, I was talking about our church covenant. And from the book of Mark and Matthew, you hear a similar command, but we put it in our covenant about loving the Lord your God, right? Love God, love others. Same conversation. Listen to this conversation. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there, listening to this debate, and he realized Jesus had answered well. So he said, Jesus, of all the commandments, what's the most important one? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. And before he said, love God, love others, this is what he said. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Sometimes you just blow right by that, right? And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Before establishing the commands, he established the commander." Before we can sit there and say, well, who's leading, you know, what are we supposed to do? We ought to stop and say, who's telling us to do this? Before we sit there and say, well, what does God's word have to say? We ought to realize who God is. Because once you know who the commander is, then the commands come a lot more easy. And easy, I mean, I will follow it because now I know who's saying it. We must decide, is there really one God worthy of worship? And if there really is one God, do we truly worship Him? I think it's easy for us as a church for us to say, oh, yeah, I believe in God. What does that mean? What does that mean? You may believe in the God of the Bible, but you also follow the God of football. If you've ever seen the movie Concussion, it's well documented and said in that movie. I know it's a movie, but what do they say? God may own the week, but the NFL owns Sunday. You know, and there's a quote from that, and I probably misquoted some, but that's what they were talking about. They are talking about that movie about how the NFL is a God. And I know it's a movie, but truly think about this. What people worship today, what they put their money towards, what they spend their time with, that will dictate who your God is. Just step back and look. If God truly is God, it changes how we live. But I want to give you three simple reasons to believe that there's a God of this universe and that he's, he's ruler over all. Because what we do sometimes like, well, it says in the Bible, it says in the Bible. Yes, it says in the Bible. But what if somebody says, put the Bible down for a second and tell me why I should believe in God? Let me give you the first reason, okay? It's called the cosmological argument. Basically this, if something exists, it had a cause. So the universe is here, what caused it? Think about it for a moment. Stuff exists. Where did it come from? Now, can I have the help of maybe some of the kids here in the front row? Help me out with this, okay? I'm going to start with you, Miles, okay? So help me out with this one, okay? There's a cake sitting on the table. Okay? Where did it come from? Your mom made it. Good answer. I was looking for a baker, but I probably figured you'd say your mom made it. Exactly. That cake just didn't all of a sudden like appear like like there's a big explosion. Like a cake. Okay. Not going to happen that way, is it? There was a baker. Okay. Which one of you boys want to answer? There's a building. Oh, no. Okay. Teamwork. Teamwork. You work together on this for the answer. Okay. There's a, there's a building. There's this building right here. Where, where did it come from? How did it get here? Construction builders. What were you going to say? Builders. Yeah. That's the answer. Nice job. Nice job. We're two for two. Come on over to this side. Who wants to help me on the third one? Got this? All right, here we go. There is a book just sitting on the table. Who made that book? Where did that book come from? You can confer to your brother if you want, to chat about it if you need help. Wait. The library. But where did all those books come from? Oh, I got a hand over here. Cousin's going to help. Authors. Very good. Somebody had to write them. And then they put them all in the library, and then you grabbed one out of the library and read it. Very good. Church, are you following me here? In the same way, look at creation. Where did creation come from? A creator. Right? A creator. Everything had to come from something. And that's the way this book, God's Holy Word, starts. Genesis 1-1, what does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, Darkness covered the deep waters. We believe that one God exists and He created all things. Here's another reason. It's called the teleological argument. Telos means purpose. In other words, design. Okay? Look at the uniqueness of our design. Look at the human body. Just hold your hand up. Look at your hand. Okay? Some of you, don't look at the back of your eyelids. Look somewhere else. Okay? Just look around the human body. And think about this. Who designed it? Think beyond the human body now and the earth. How the earth was created. The location of the earth in line with other planets. And the sun. We live in that perfect distance away from the sun in which this planet can be habitable. We can live here. We can survive. The only planet To have water in liquid form. But the only planet with perfect balance of water and land. We don't even even get to the point about talking about the tilt and the axis of the earth at 23.5 degrees. And ask me what that means. I don't know. But it's important because at 24 degrees, we're in trouble. Okay? Those kind of things are amazing to me. The moon. Its effect on the tides of the earth. Showing that the earth was designed to sustain life. No other planets are created this way. It's a unique incredible design. Who designed it? Well, there was a big bang. That's a big baloney, okay? You don't blow something up and it turns out this way. Just ask any boy with a firecracker, okay? You blow something up and you don't have something wonderful. Fourth of July, we just got stuff laying around, right? After all these explosions of fireworks. You don't blow a bunch of stuff up and the oh, a flower bed. I love Fourth of July doesn't happen. But for anybody who believes that, that's what we're talking about. If you're walking in a field and you stubbed your toe on a rock, what would most of us do besides yell something? Okay? We'd look down at that rock and we'd think, yeah, it has no design or purpose. Say, where'd that rock come from? Say, it's been here forever. <laughs> it's been here, that's right. It's been here forever, right? But if you're walking along the field and you stumble across somebody's iPhone, what would you say? Different than stepping on a rock, right? And you'd pick it up. And what would you say? Oh, it's been here forever. No, no, You'd say what? Somebody had to have made this. Somebody would have to have created this. It just wasn't here by accident. Same thing can be said about the stone, but because we look at a stone differently than a phone, we wouldn't agree with that. Thing is... Somebody designed that phone with purpose. Now imagine this argument thousands of years ago. Years ago, okay, You're walking with the prophet Isaiah. And as you're walking with Isaiah and you say, you know, I don't know if there's this God that you claim about Isaiah. You're a prophet and you write all these scrolls and stuff and tell people that you know, they need to believe in God. I don't know if I believe in God. And Isaiah would say this to you. For the Lord is God. Look what you're walking on. He created the heavens And the earth, things you're stepping on right now. He put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not a place of empty chaos. I'm the Lord, he says. There's no other. No other. We believe, church, that one God exists and that he created all things with purpose and design. Reason number three for believing there's a God is the reality of good and evil. It's called the moral argument. You've probably heard of C.S. Lewis before, right? Famous author. World famous author. Became a Christian many years after being a hardcore atheist. Probably didn't know that. He said the world, uh, or he saw the world after a couple world wars, ravaged, cruel, unfair, people dying for no reason at all in all these wars. And he looked around and he, he thought of it like this. He said, how did I know that a person or action was cruel? unless I saw a loving person or loving action to compare it to. In other words, he said this, in order to know that the line I just drew was slate, I would have had to look at another line and see that it was crooked to compare the two. Are you following me with this? In other words, it brought him to the conclusion and the understanding that is, in order to know that there is right in the world, there is also wrong in the world. And you know the difference between the two. It's called the moral argument. So here's the thing. A perfect God would make sure that his creation, us, knows the difference between right and wrong, between good and evil. And he would want us to do what? Choose good, right? So he gives us written record of what is good and what is evil. We sort of began with it in the Old Testament with the Ten Commandments. God said, this is good, this is bad. I want you to understand I've created you for purpose and design. To do the right thing, not the wrong thing. Jeremiah 31, 33 says this, But this is a new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after these days, says the Lord. I'll put my instruction deep within them. I'll write them on their hearts. I'll be their God. They will be my people. We believe that God, one God, exists. And that He gave that which He created us, the ability to know between right and wrong. So let's pause for a second and think this through. God designs, creates... This world, and he cares about this world so much and his people that he puts within our hearts the knowledge between right and wrong. Okay. Those are some good reasons to believe in God. And you don't even have to go through the biblical argument of all that. But if you want to pull out the Bible, let me just say this, okay? The Bible does not exist to prove God's existence. Okay? Listen very carefully. The Bible does not exist to prove existence. God's existence. God exists, period. God exists, period. Before this was ever written, God was and is. You know what the Bible does? It reveals God. It reveals to you and I who God is. It doesn't have to prove Him. He's already been proven true. More importantly, the Bible is God's story of redemption. God exists, God creates mankind to be in relationship with Him. Man separates us from God in that relationship that we're supposed to have. But then God says, I'm going to redeem mankind. I'm going to rescue mankind through Jesus Christ. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we're saved to live a new life. That's the story of the Bible. We don't need it to prove God it exists. It reveals God. And to believe whether God Does not exist or to say, I don't see any evidence, I don't think God is real, is foolish. Is foolish. You ever get in an argument with somebody like, I don't believe God exists. You're not going to win that argument. You can try to your blue in the face and try to make them, convince them to believe that God exists. You're probably not going to do that. God's going to have to reveal himself to that person. Psalm 14 says, only fools say in their heart there's no God. They're corrupt, their actions are evil, and no one does good. God exists, and to describe him, well, it's it's daunting, it's difficult because he has so many attributes. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-present, he's loving, he's just, he's mighty, he's holy, he's creator, he is king, he is warrior, he is shepherd. And we can go on and on and say all that God is, but there's only one God. And there's one good word that describes him, that is love. God is love. 1 John 4, 8-10 says this, But anyone who does not love doesn't know God, because God is love. God showed His love so much, He sent His one and only Son into the world so He could have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He first loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Church, to know God is to love. To know God is to love. God does exist. He wants to change us with His love. So church, let me ask you, do you know what you believe about God? Do you believe that there is just one God? Because James said this, and listen carefully as we get ready to wrap this up. He says this in the book of James chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. You say you have faith because you believe there's one God? Good for you. Look at the person next to him. Give him a high five. Good for you. Go ahead, go for it. Okay, that was really pathetic. Some of you were like, good for you. We're just doing this because we're wrapping it up. It's hot in here, and I'm hungry, okay? One more time with a little more enthusiasm. Good for you. Yes. Because I'm looking at this in Scripture, and there was an exclamation point behind it, which means there was emphasis put in by the Greek words and the Greek translation to mean, good for you. You believe that there's one God? Good for you. Awesome. Oh, wait. James goes on to say this. Even the demons believe this. Congratulations, you believe the same thing that the demons in this world believe, that there's only one God. And what's crazy is, is that our opponents, Satan and the demons, believe that there's one God. We believe that there's one God. But yet we argue with people about whether there's one God. Are you kidding me? The demons believe that there's one God. We believe the same thing that they do. They believe the same thing that we do. So let me ask you this. What separates us from them? James says this even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror how foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless they believe there's one God and they shake they tremble the word is actually bristle bristle like when a dog gets a little scared and its hair stands up okay it shakes violently shakes fear that's the word that's used here the demons believe in one God that's how they respond we believe in God one God how do we respond? Church, how do we respond? I'm not going to take a survey and ask you what you think about God, okay? Worship team, would you come up, please? I'm just going to say that according to God's holy word, proven to be true, proven to be accurate, according to creation, the things that we look at, we see earth, moon, sun, stars, vegetation, Humanity, the physicality of our body, the order and design of this universe, what has been placed in our hearts and in our conscience, all of that, do you believe in one God? My first question to you is this. Who is God? Do you believe in the one God? Here's my second question. How is that changing your everyday life? Church, I hope that we do believe in one God and that we do more than shudder. I pray we shake with love. I pray that we live in the abundance of God's Spirit working through us as we love one another as He first loved us. We are different than this world. Never apologize for being different. Never back down for your beliefs because you believe in one God. That's a bold thing. And with the... Strength of God's Spirit, live boldly, live victoriously, knowing that there's one God. Let that belief shake you in an incredibly awesome way. Would you please stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are awesome. You are mighty. You are one and only God. And we worship you and you alone. There's no other gods to worship, nobody worthy of that. Just you. Through so we see in creation and design and purpose knowing that things exist there had to be somebody who made it knowing what you've laid upon our hearts with our conscience Lord we know these things to be true that there's no arguing there is a God which causes us to look into your word and find out you are him you are God the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and Jacob the God of David the God of Noah the God of Rahab and Joshua, the God of Carl, the God of Leighton, the God of Rex. You are our God. One and only God. Believing that to be true, God, I pray that as we walk out of here, we walk out with the confidence knowing we serve one God and only one God. And may that shake us. Not in fear like the demons, but shake us in your love. Say, I believe. And I want to live this out. I want my actions to follow suit with my belief. There is one God. So God help us as we worship you now, Lord, and we worship you boldly and with all of our heart. And let's go live it out. We love you, Lord. In our name we pray.